You are listening to Historically, a show where we decolonize history and debunk myths and misinformation taught to you in school and on corporate media. I'm your host, Esha. This week, we have Alexander DeMay from the Discourse podcast, which is, uh, he has a daily stream. He has a pot, they have a bot podcast where they talk about the latest issues. So welcome. Well, thank you for having me. It's a real honor. Thank you for coming. Um, the discourse is really cool because you, you guys focus on trying to get the American uh, audience more politically aware, right? Yeah. Um, so it started with like four guys who are basically dissatisfied with the current level of, of talk on in leftist politics in America way back in like 2014 and we've or 2015 and we've kind of been going since then. Uh, some of us have dropped out like I took a little hiatus um, and then come back. But we always focus on what is really going on, right? Like it's an interpretive podcast where we kind of go through not only like news of the week, but also like just normal political discussions that happen in America while giving a deconstruction of how American politics are formulated rather than how they, the reality of them, you know? So, so like what I do on my Twitch is I just break down the news of the day, but what we do in our, our podcast is the four of us get together and talk about how, um, you know, what Americans believe about America is basically propaganda. Uh, oh, what they believe about anything is basically propaganda. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. Or do you feel like you're a drop in the ocean or do you feel like you make a difference? Uh, it's actually a little bit of both. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, the, the podcast, we don't have a huge audience, but we do have a, a fervent audience. And so like, while we might be a drop in the ocean, I do feel like we have some impact, especially when, you know, we, like I talked about on my, my show a lot, providing little bits of information for conversations that people are going to be having in their everyday lives actually does add something to the collective understanding of our world and so like even if the impact is small like even if it is a drop in the ocean you know the, the ripple effect the knock-on effects of providing information to people who wouldn't otherwise have them because they're subjected to indoctrination and propaganda of the imperial core actually does have at least even if it is small term some effect so to answer your question Yes, I do think we have effect. Yes, I also believe we're just a drop in the ocean. <laughs> I can relate that, to that. That's how I feel. Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, we do affect some things. I, I mean, I, I, when there is one practical effect that I do have that I can brag about. I made Tom Cotton stop tweeting for a good 48 hours by, <laughs> by discovering his slave ancestors. Nice. He said slavery was a necessary evil. And I'm like, of well course done. Yeah, so that was the one where even today, anytime he says something stupid, people reply. And that day he got mega ratioed. And all I did was look up. I just checked his father and then his father's father's. I checked each person's birth certificate has their father's name. So I went back a few generations and boom, I saw that there's six generations ago or five generations ago, their family had slaves. Wow. Well done. Yeah, that was not, it was even surprisingly easy. I mean, these people are paper tigers, right? Yeah. There you go. So that's the one impact I can brag about. Um, and that I am very proud of. Uh, but 
Um, I feel like I do feel like I we are uh, at an uphill battle considering how much propaganda there is. But yeah, and, and week, also Ash, we don't have billionaire backers. Remember? Oh yeah, we right. don't have that. Exactly. Like this is I'm doing this in the basement in front of if you can see it in front of a sheet hanging up with a cat riding a unicorn holding a gold plated 50 caliber handgun. Like that's what I'm doing. This is not high tech. This is not sitting in front of a CNN studio where I have producers and everything all the time. So like, yeah, we don't have billionaire backers. So it's always going to be uphill and it's always going to be that way because we're antithetical to capital. That's what makes it fun, though. That's, Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes it fun. True, the true working class way of, of of producing content, right? To just do it on, just do it. Like, you know, you don't need a billionaire backer. It just proves that they're there just to uh, control the message, right? If we yeah, can do it agreed. without them. I mean, I know we but rely I- on Google, et cetera, but... What else can we do? We have to use the tools in front of us. Go on, Ash. Oh, oh, but I do feel like last week I felt a very positive uh, impact because my mother, when she heard the CNN news about alleged um, Navalny's alleged hunger strike, she texted me and asked me, what do you think of Navalny? CNN said he was a dissident. And I said, oh, he's a... Um, he's who he is and I t- and then she's like I knew it and so she's actually so she actually saw CNN and she thought enough to be like okay let me ask Isha so that was um uh, that was really awesome for me to have at least one person think okay CNN's lying <laughs> I made I made my mother uh, watch They Live you know the Roddy Piper movie yeah, yeah. I made my mum watch yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's a horror movie, but the, the the bad guy is capitalism, right? So I made my mother yeah. watch it, and, and like you know, she was one of these that's like Stalin killed billions, didn't he? And then at the end of it, I'm like, yeah, that's why you think Stalin killed billions because capitalists are these like aliens that are controlling your mind. She's like, oh right, yeah, yeah, I get it now. So you know, it does work, doesn't it? Yeah. I had a similar experience with my mom over the summer too. Like my mom and I were, I was going through doing all sorts of chores and stuff with her over the beginning of the pandemic. And by the end of it, just hearing about what the two parties were doing to the post office, she was at, by the end of that, she's just like, yeah, I guess I'm a bit of a communist now. (laughs) Nice. Nice. That's good. So we all had success with at least our moms. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You know, Hey, so there you go. Our moms were screwed. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, so, Ash, what's the topic of tonight's show? Today, as we talked about last week, um, Operation Gladio. Um, My favorite thing. Yeah, it's very creepy. Um, and uh, we, it's about imperialism in a way. It, okay, so uh, before when we talked about imperialism, we talked about like just them coming in and killing like a whole bunch of toddlers and slitting their throat, which is very visible, right? Uh-huh. Operation Gladio is kind of not visible. It is very uh, subtle. It, it, it was not subtle in the impact, but like I said, you couldn't. There wasn't a video of this military coming and slitting a whole bunch of toddlers' throats. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, but there was there was actionable items that you could point to. It was just that it was the 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 perpetrators were completely obfuscated by the state. Yes, you're right. Um. So uh, w- with that, um, we'll get started. Um, so we, before we start with Operation Gladio, we just have to move, uh, go back to 1930s, slightly before World War II. 
to the so uh, this is a church in Berlin in 1933. There are Nazi slogans and there is a cross. Do you see that sign? Mm-hmm. It says something in German, not uh, swastika and the cross. Yeah, yeah. All the priests who yep. are beguiling. Yep. Yes. I see gobos okay. as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, is that yeah. gobos? Just okay. gobos on the end. I did not know that was gobos. Okay. Okay. So the Catholic Church basically was very intertwined with Hitler. The Vatican actually signed a 1933 concordant with Adolf Hitler. Uh, they've been a little fishy and secretive about it. But on January 30th, 1933, the Pope said something and there were some Italian Catholics, German Catholics, and they were talking about stopping the spread of communism. Mm-hmm. We don't exactly 100% know what they agreed to because the Vatican's been very fishy about this in Slovakia, Serbia, not Serbia, I'm sorry, Croatia, and also Austria and Hungary. There, Oh, and Romania. There was a papal, like a clerical fascism. That is, um, so in Slovakia, I always joke that he is Joseph Tito's evil twin, Joseph Tizo. <laughs> <laughs> but he became the head of state. We also have a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of collaboration in a way that's hard to explain. I'll just give examples that might explain it better than. So, for example, um, there's Archbishop Stepanich from Croatia who signed an order to exterminate. Who He added some extra people to the list. Like Hitler said Jews, gypsies. He was like, OK, we also want uh, to do Orthodox Christians and let's add some other random people mm-hmm. and serves. And so he was there running the concentration camps. So then there was another priest in Hungary called Cardinal Minciati, who seemed to have a militia, and he was in prison right in 1946 for being a traitor. In uh, Ukraine, the priests would often allow the Nazis to just kind of hang out there and use the church premises. The thing is that the, there are many elements of the Catholic Church that resisted like there was a Catholic priest who was killed in 1938 because he tried to assassinate Hitler. Mm-hmm. Mussolini, tried, uh, many Catholic priests tried to assassinate Mussolini. So you kind of saw both ends of the spectrum in the church, the super godly ones and the super non-godly ones. Didn't, um, hold on. Didn't we, isn't, that, isn't that the same in the Russian Revolution as well? Like not all Orthodox churches resisted communism and not all of them were uh, pro-communism, right? In a uh, correct. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. There were both ends of the spectrum. It seems like when it with religion that you get the extremes a lot more. Like you get people from both ends of the spectrum. Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, in the DPRK, uh, one of the first uh, prime ministers was a Catholic. No, no, Protestant priest, I think, or maybe Catholic. I can't remember. Don't get upset if I got the wrong one. <laughs> right. All right. Before World War Two ended. The Nazis were retreating farther and farther while the Red Army was coming. There was this guy named Reinhard Galen, who was a general in the uh, Wehrmacht, 
who was in charge of the Eastern Campaign, which is just the most disgusting thing you'll ever see. True, in the U.S. government, there was this guy named Alan Dulles, who was later... Which of the... I forget which of the Dulles brothers was in charge of the CIA and which one was the Secretary of State. There were two Dulles brothers. I think Alan Dulles was in charge of CIA back then. Okay, and... And the other Dulles brother was in charge of, was the Secretary of State, right? The Dulles brothers were both in this uh, law firm called Sullivan Cromwell. Before the CIA, they had their own private death squad <laughs> and stuff like that to do the banana, banana massacre. But they were like very pro-Hitler and anti-communist. But of course, being inside of America, they couldn't say that out loud. So what they did was right before the war ended, their exact words is eyes and ears to the east. They wanted to stay behind network. They put, this was before Victory Day, they put Reinhard Galen in charge of creating that stay behind network to do God knows what. And what he did was he assembled a raggedy gang full whose atrocity has had even sickened some of their German masters. He got the Belarus, the back then the Belarus was called the Ruthenian Nationalist Party, the UPA organization, OUN, Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, various Polish collaborators. The Ustazi, just the various, the worst people on earth. He had assembled them to be basically CIA assets. Mm-hmm. Stefan, yep. no, Stefan Bandera was way before that. Well, yeah. Stefan Bandera was dead by then, I think, I hope. He, okay, he was not dead by then. He was alive until 1959. Yikes. Well, interesting. Okay. He was died in Munich, Germany. Uh-huh. West Germany, I'm assuming. Yeah. Munich was apparent. Yeah, definitely West Germany. Because what also happened is that if the U.S. government knew that if there was a completely democratic election, the communists would win in all of Europe uh-huh. because all the parties who had not collaborated with the Nazis were basically the communist parties and the partisans, which were another form of communist parties. <laughs> and they and, were heroes. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. They were, everyone loved them because they were like, uh, like they liberated, like the communists were literally the only people that resisted the Nazis. I believe, and, I believe Stalin's like popularity rating in Brit- amongst British workers post-World War II was like insanely high or something because like people knew, obviously workers knew that it was Stalin and the USSR that just destroyed fascism. Like, yeah, he, yeah. His popularity even in the United States, like directly towards the end of the war was pretty high too, considering... Okay, this is a good quote. Um, Okay, so Frank Wisner was like another scum. He was of German origin, but of Czech... um, No, no, Bohemian is the word. That was the word. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so basically he was a corporate lawyer who had worked for Wall Street. Uh, He had apparently lived in Mississippi for a long time. And basically he was... In charge of organizing the secret, like basically a way to just pull down uh, all of communism. So, but in the West, even if, 
for example, um, because they the the Communist Party had never collaborated with with the only one who can say that they had their uh, uh, hands clean. Mm-hmm. They were super popular. Like there were the if, if there were fair elections run everywhere, the Communist Party would have totally won every single election in the western uh like the areas occupied by the u.s um also yeah so what happened is that the u.s like tries to lie and say that the soviet union had puppet states and no that's not what they did so what they did was basically they told all the parties who were not fascist to join together in a unity ticket and then as in like one all of them had joined one single ballot like they were all on the same ballot line mm-hmm. so they all had to pick it's like okay well i'm gonna pick so they had to form a coalition they were like i'm gonna be the president you're gonna be the vice president you're he's gonna be the mayor of some town like so that way it was nazis and not nazis and not yeah, yeah. nazis overwhelmingly won mm-hmm. and then they wrote the constitution on the western front the U.S. first outlawed the Communist Party in Germany. They got the Nazis come back. It was just a mess. Um, but they also had to find a way to make Western Europe not become communist. Here is where we begin our... And so what they did was create Operation Gladio in order to twist the Western European governments into what they wanted, which is... What they have, we have this Macron. <laughs> well, yeah, the collapse of the USSR and stuff. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just saying, even then, like they wanted somebody like Macron, and they got it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, is there anything oh. you ha- you have to add, uh, John, before we start going further? I mean, I I'm anticipating where it's going because this is like one of the most fascinating stories uh, that that really illuminates. The, the reality of the United States versus the myth of the United States. Um, you know, like what we tell ourselves uh, or what, you know, has been indoctrinated through educational purposes and through propaganda on television and trillions of dollars spent creating a story about the United States that like you can say, oh, well, you know, we had our problems with the genocide of the indigenous people and slavery, but post-World War II, we were definitely the good guys. Like, we no, are we the weren't. good... Right, exactly. And that's what this this story does. It's, it's really illuminating. And what I found most especially helpful is, like, when I tell boomers the story of Gladio, like, their, their, their faces just drop. Like, all of a sudden, wow. they just go, oh, my God. And, like, their brains melt. So, like, this is one of my favorite things for radicalizing older americans just that's it because yeah like one thing is that you have to have a reality like reality there is like there is a limit in which propaganda conflicts with reality and people will always choose reality but they have to see it first right Right. exactly and the the story of dulles and then Gladio and then all of the people involved and going all the way into like the 1980s and what was happening like the through the years of lead and all of that and the story of what we were actually doing is so key to dissolve the myth and this it's just a perfect example yeah uh i i mean there are for me there are many but as you said this one really hits home probably because of the western european factor what what else 
And also because of the myth that Americans tell themselves about their status as a, as the saviors during World War II, because of what everyone has still, you know, you can, you can point to liberals or conservatives and still say like, oh yeah, everyone hates the Nazis. And so you have a clear bad guy that everyone agrees is actually evil and you have the myth that the united states was not actively working with them in any capacity and was standing against them and standing up <laughs> for human rights right like we all as leftists and, and communists like you know that's a lie however majority of american liberals don't majority of american conservatives don't like just the majority of americans themselves have no clue it's not, and so, it's not just Americans that phenomenon applies to, though. That what you're explaining applies to any any peoples from uh, one of the allied countries th these days. Uh, not yeah. so much France or Italy, in my opinion. Italy, definitely not. Maybe. De yeah, Italy, not. I, from what I understand, from, and people I know in Italy, but for the reason why I'm English I language on, absolutely like there's no question yes. America can egg every single bloody English language and I think uh, it's yes. funny I think it's you touched on something really funny there um in what you were saying about this idea that like the Nazis were the most evil and we're nothing to do with them it kind of for the allied uh the the bourgeois capitalist class it, it's a nice little uh buffer for them isn't it because they can be like yeah. okay well we're not as extreme as the communists and we're not as nasty as the nazis so we're going to sit in the center nice nice and it you know believe believe that we're not that bad so you know it helps them maintain their hegemonic seat at the top doesn't it this this idea <laughs> i remember the same learning that like oh the west what are you talking about the west wasn't so clean during world war Two, and then that radicalization process like happens because you start to find out like um, one of my favorite episodes we did of this show, Ash, is the one where you talked about IG Farben because I didn't know a lot of that stuff. Oh, yeah. that. Oh, yes, yes. That Okay. Well, the IG Farben is the, yeah, the, the fact that they still bloody exist today. Um, it, I'm still mad that about a year ago, thankfully, they deleted it. But BASF tweeted out never again. And like, we all trolled them enough to make them delete it. But that was like, the hell? Have some self-respect, dude. Like, I think I think Russell Brand accepted a the, the comedian accepted a Hugo Boss Award once, and then when he went up on stage, said like, "Oh, I remember you guys making the uniforms for the Nazis, like," and then they like struck him off from it. never like appearing. <laughs> he just won an award by them, and he, and he got struck off. But yeah, again, this is oh, a yeah. story that I don't know too much about. I mean, I know it happened, but I've never been this deep into it. So again. Uh it's these kind of topics that I do like to get stuck into, so I think you're right there. Do carry on, guys. Before being ordered to leave Bucharest by the victorious Red Army in 1945, is it Weissner? Weissner had yeah. compiled a list of Romanians opposed to the Soviet Union. Among them were Nazi collaborators and members of the Iron Guard, a fascist organization noted for its hatred of Jews. He was uh, engaged in expanding his list of anti-communist zealots, and it would soon... Uh, soon and it would soon could many men of uh, men many of them accuse war criminals from all across eastern europe okay so let's talk about the romanian iron guard okay so they were an ex they were a form of clerical fascism their atrocities like they hung children from meat hooks they exterminated uh, groups of jews communists gypsies whatever you want slavs they were like the scum of the earth um ian but 
The Romanian guard actually was one of the like the worst of the worst. I can't. I, I, I don't know how how to even convey how evil they were. This was the scum that they gathered in order to overthrow communism. Because also remember, every single corporation, every single person in Western Europe had collaborated. So in any fair election. Even assembling, resembling democracy, you would not, you'd get the Communist Party. And that's it. Uh, that would be the end of capitalism. I don't think Harry Truman was, act, was, uh, was smart enough to kind of understand what Ellen Dulles was doing. But that's just me. Yeah, uh, I disagree with that. Okay, go ahead. Tell it. Yeah. No, it's, there's just so many things that there are corresponding to Truman. Whether or not he was aware of everything that Dulles was doing, he was actually backed by all of the people who were basically Dulles was aligned with. So for Truman to not know, like, yeah, all right, maybe that's a, a, a nice claim to keep Truman a little clean. But I, I a thousand percent believe that Truman and at least some of the Truman administration knew what the fuck he was doing. If FDR had survived, do you think uh, we would have had this? Uh, no, I do not. Uh, or, you know, if Wallace had been in place instead of Truman, no. That's what I've always wondered. Um, and uh, yeah, so unfortunately, we got stuck with Truman and we this happened. I think the Soviets were not naive, but they were spent. Like, they didn't have any gas left in the tank to oppose this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, of... I've heard stories, too, that they just, it wasn't a matter of having gas in the tank. It was also a matter of, like, thinking that, in some ways, the the espoused liberal ideals of the West would would in some ways be adhered to. So, like the the communist parties might organically lead to something. Like there was some talk of that as well that I've heard read about. Yeah, uh, I mean there was various things, uh, but whatever. Like the cap, like if if they had the war crimes trials, if they had all the things that they kind of needed to have, capitalism was not long for this world back then. They uh, like even on both fronts, Eastern, Western, whatever front, uh, like Japanese front, capitalism had been totally discredited. This was like an emergency measure uh, because of how bloody the Nazis were. They had lost the Eastern front. So they were like, OK, we'll just like sacrifice it for now. We need to make sure that the Western front, the Western areas, um, our Western countries are still our puppets. He assembled the stay behind networks in the Eastern front. We got to the Western front. And this is where the Catholic Church comes to play. Before you move on, Ned, you know you're talking about the Soviet Union uh, being spent or whatever. or not. Is it, is, it, is it more of a case of that uh, they were helping in China and helping in Korea and helping in Asia to clear out, like... Uh, absolutely in, in asia as well so they obviously they just watched germany lose a war on two fronts so it's that choice isn't it I'd, I'd say at that point and i think history has proven that right now hasn't it that the correct decision was to back the chinese revolution straight after world war ii help china liberate help the liberation of china uh, and we've still got china but you know we've unfortunately seen the the, the collapse of the of socialism in europe but china remains so you know that lineage is still there in effect isn't it yeah and without the soviet union like 
uh, doing that, it kind of like it also gave South America a lot of breathing room, and so we got Cuba, etc. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so the two greatest mistakes of of the imperialists post World War Two is is the USSR going, haha, we do have an atom bomb, and the Chinese Revolution being successful. They are the two things that the US didn't plan for happening, right? Or Cuba, or Venezuela, like lots of things. Well, well, <laughs> or, or Vietnam. They've, they've happened as a, you know, as a result of those two countries, be, you know, being powerful enough for that those to, you know, come to existence. I kind of get, but I get what you're saying. You know, yeah, Cuba uh, only uh, managed to resist the U.S. because of the USSR and because the USSR no, no, because had I, nukes. I, exactly. Right? Well, two things. Um, Cuba managed to do it. A lot of it because if you look at all the uh, uh, amount of army personnel you literally needed to have banana republics back then, because we didn't have the fancy um, all the fancy missiles and stuff, they had to divert all the a lot of them into Western Europe. So. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, yeah. Some and don't forget, was, they're fighting Vietnam and Cuba and, and it's, Korea. No, no, this, this was point. Korea. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Korea was what they were fighting. Um, the U.S. keeps, like, projecting Russia. And Russians are nowhere to be seen except in Russia because communism is actually popular. What's not popular is capitalism. And so you're not going to get people to die for ExxonMobil, but they will die for... Uh, Korea, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but, but so a lot of this like nonsense is just like their projection, and it's like if the U.S. I wish the USSR was like secretly arming everyone, and unfortunately, no. Uh, right. I mean, you can look to Indonesia and say, "God damn, I wish they were arming everybody," but they weren't. The worst scum of the earth is the Belarusian immigrants that they also got. And so what happened is that all of them set up uh, headquarters for both in their own country. Uh, there was a headquarter. And then in Western Germany, uh, quote unquote, freedom fighters or, or pro-democracy fighters that uh, the West had hired. Another thing about these Nazi collaborators is that the reason why Frank Wisner pick them is that they're extremely easy to blackmail committed the worst atrocities so all the cia had to do was like release their identity to the soviets and they'd be shot so it was very easy to blackmail them into obedience because of self-preservation so that's why they picked the extra scummy people if that makes sense yeah it's a it's a smart tactic right if you if you you have to understand like oh yeah it's pure evil but in terms of keeping their own interest yeah it's smart yeah if you have the most the scum of the earth well then all literally if they said okay i want you to go do this if he got a sense of consciousness it's not like he could go to the east german government and say hey i used to be the scum of the earth the east german government's going to be like he's a wanted fugitive so they're going to go bang 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 <laughs> Right. Right. I mean, the, that's how Bandera died was uh, assassination by a KGB agent. Cyanide yeah. gas. Oh, that was poetic justice. Good job. Yeah, exactly. Who was the KB, KG, whoever he was? Thank you. And good job with the poetic justice. The Stasi were really good at assassination. They were, oh, actually, no, the Yugoslavian uh, Secret Service, they were the best. So 
hope that high Nazi officials, well, they did not want to be in Europe anymore because it wasn't safe enough. But the CIA thought, hey, let's send them to South America so that they could help us do coups there, which they did. And so that's where we get the Operation Gladio from. A two-sided purpose. One is that they were setting up the scum in the e- e- in Europe. And then uh, there's a second kind of scum that were going to be hidden in South America to be scummier. Yeah, and, and uh, my understanding of Gladio was it specifically refers to the operation in Italy, right? Yeah, in the the rat line. That's where we're getting to. Yep, because the, the rat, rat lines line. to South America that, that we ran, that Dulles was instrumental in, um, you know, like you said, they they set up for our counter our insurgency counterinsurgency policies that have been going on in South America ever since. Again, in the Vatican, you also have easily blackmailable thing material, which is a lot of Catholic priests. God knows what they've done besides the genocide. <laughs> yep. We have the scum of the scum of the scum of, of the earth. Catholic Church did, while the Pope claimed, well, they claim the Pope is innocent. Heinrich Himmler was found with some fake papers from the, well, okay, you guys have to remember that Vatican itself is a independent country, right? Mm-hmm. So now um, the Vatican has um, can actually give people papers to travel around the world because they're an independent country. Mm-hmm. Uh, inside the Vatican, it's not just a priest. What they have, they have a support network like the Red Cross. Yeah, the Red Cross. There's the support staff. There's the uh, priests. There, there's everyone, and they need to be traveling all over the world. So what they did was they like there were certain strategic churches or monasteries that hid the scum until they were ready. And you couldn't take all of them together in one ship because like then you just have to torpedo the ship and all the scum's gone. So they had to kind of slowly trickle. I know they had to slowly trickle them. Uh, So it was a good five to ten year operation is what I say. Is there is there do you think the myth of escape into south america like it's like a it's like a world war myth isn't it did they didn't they i mean you're saying they did but this like phenomenon that's come about of it do you do you think that's part of uh the craft of their propaganda as well like i, think I don't they're understand quite, i think they're quite happy to have this myth around aren't they that some nazis escaped to south america but we just don't know you know these like liberal you get like liberal articles don't you that We'll publish a story saying stuff like, uh, look at this village in South America. Everybody's like, looks German, right? But they'll never get to that. They'll never connect it in what, in what you're saying now. So I, I think that, I think the, the capitalist elite are very much happy to allow this myth in inverted commas, because we know it's true of Nazis escaping to South America, you know, because that keeps it people guessing still. It's like a nice little myth, isn't it, that Hitler might have escaped to Argentina or something. Do you know? Do you get what I'm saying? Well, uh, okay. Uh, okay, that actually is kind of funny. I'll explain uh, with that Hitler one. Um, well, we do know, well, they did find Klaus Barbie in Bolivia. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, and they've had extra, like, and then there was... Um, What's it? Ante Pavlich was uh, shot in uh, Argentina. There were many people who were caught and extradited back for trial. So 
it's not i mean we do know that many uh, jo- joseph mingala got away though and we know like like you said we know they escaped so but i i, I guess what your point about it being the myth is self-serving to the capitalists as well. It, I understand it. That makes a lot of sense. Like even they can say, Hey, look, we got our allies out. So anytime you want to, you want to deal with us, we got our allies out. So it serves the capitalists to have it be propagated that, Hey, we helped the Nazis escape to South America. Remember us. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I think it's almost like, it's like a, in a way, right? These conspiracies sometimes help the elite to even if it's it's not a conspiracy but to create a conspiracy around it makes it easier for them to to uh maintain that it's just like a piece of propaganda or a myth or something like 9-11 is a case of it and jfk is a, a case of it as well whatever happened the authorities are very happy for there to be a conspiracy to it because it stops people going to the getting to the actual truth that's what i'm trying to get at, i think oh yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, i agree a hundred percent i mean you know just the the you were just talking about jfk but like even the charles manson stuff all that stuff it, yeah it, it, to, to create like a, a conspiracy is what helps them do like you mentioned at the start this i thought was a great point when you mentioned like the story of america like it, it, it helps manufacture that doesn't it True or not, um, they can then say, well, some Nazis escaped to South America and lived on there, but we just don't know because we're not involved with them. They might have done. We just, they got away before we could catch up with them. But in reality, you know. They know. Exactly. They, okay. Henry yeah. Kissinger uh, 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 wired coup money over to Klaus. Like he literally called the money he wired over coup money. <laughs> right. <laughs> like we, we know that. The, the, but the problem becomes is like in American, um, the the propaganda surrounding this, like you said, the story is different. Like they 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 always give, even when you're talking about like just in recent times, like the 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 benefit of the doubt that they give to say like the DNC operatives for what they did to Bernie Sanders, like that's f-ing obvious, and this is obvious too. But most Americans never analyze this. Most Americans never look at this and say like like Esha just said, hey, you know. Henry Kissinger wired money to Klaus Barbie and literally called it coup money. Like this is someone who is so high up in the American government that there is no plausible deniability for this. Oh, like, the, you know, ahead. this is this is planned. This is propagated. This is something that we we planned out. And when you when you trace the trajectory of the his, of the career of the Dulles brothers, it's quite obvious that no, the myth of America is is absolutely a f-ing lie. But nobody ever talks about it. Operation Gladio? Well, we'll be Operation Gladio when you head over to historically.substack.com and subscribe to our newsletter and listen to previous episodes of our podcast. That's historically.substack.com. You can also catch our live streams on Twitch, Rockfin, or YouTube to learn more about feline friend and revolutionary Vladimir Ilyich Ulanov by tuning in to our Late Nights with Lenin on twitch.tv forward slash historically, rockfin.com forward slash historically, or search for us on YouTube. Uh, can you tell us a little bit, talk a little bit more about the Dulles brothers? So, you know, what I know about Dulles, and it's very limited, but everything I know about Dulles points to someone who, like you said, was operating behind the scenes to legitimize like these, not just these stay behind networks, but 
a a rampant anti-communism around the world that was heavily involved in assassinations, coup attempts. Like th there's probably millions of bodies that you can lay at the feet of him alone. And yet he's just he's he's a figure that most Americans don't know anything about. Yeah, they and, don't know more than he was secretary of something for uh, or, or head of the CIA briefly. Like exactly. that, that's it. They don't know anything about the Dulles brothers. And, you know, when you start looking at even just like you mentioned, the JFK uh, assassination, they're heavily involved in that as well. And it's just kind of like, here's these oh, yeah. two brothers, these shadowy ass who are behind the scenes, basically, like you said, helping Nazis and possibly being involved in the assassination of a president who wanted to do away with the institution that he was running. And mo you ask an American who is Dulles and nine out of 10 of them would probably have no idea. Oh, oh yeah. On top of the, the thing with the JFK, as I read the book, um, JFK and the Unspeakable, it was written by actually a Catholic priest. Um, so JFK really wanted to uh, have a peace treaty uh, and end the Cold War, but he did not trust his own people. Like he didn't trust his state department. So he actually sent a secret message to the KGB and asked them to convey it to Nikita Khrushchev. So the JFK was actually you didn't trust anyone in the State Department enough. Like he had to use the KGB to do this peace message because they knew like he was going to withdraw from the Vietnam War and he was convincing Diem too because Diem was also Catholic like the like JFK and they both were like JFK was like okay this is a crisis like this is a crisis of faith we can't let like and then guess what in early November Diem go gets blown up boom two weeks later JFK ends up assassinated. Right, and, and Dulles is heavily involved in the entire thing. In both, yeah, if the the one with yeah, in both of them. Um, yeah, exactly. And um, so it sounds like, as Michael Parenti says, um, something. About, what did he say? Did you see the his gangster nature of our state speech? Yes, I have, but I don't remember what he said. But he said so. something about the finger. Po oh, I remember Oswald. Oh, okay. He was also involved in the national security state at every single level. Mm -hmm. All of them, Jack Ruby, like all of them were in these same circles that, and you keep running into these actors over and over again right. of, yes. for everything bad that's happening in the world. And, and here's a little interesting tidbit. So the same psychologist that interviewed Jack Ruby uh, in prison and declared him to be insane less than 12 hours after meeting with that psychologist was the same psychiatrist who was responsible for interrogating the uh, prisoners who were prisoners of war who returned from Korea, who went on television and said, hey, we committed war crimes in Korea. And he was also the same psychologist who was involved in Manson, the Manson family, and who was seeing Manson. Manson in Hate Ashbury and secretly giving him uh, acid and training him to do like all sorts of psychological programs. And he swore this psychologist swore up and down that forever and ever and ever that he had nothing to do with the CIA and documents turned up in his office after he died showed invoices and uh, instructions from the CIA and Dulles as it, uh, outlined by the book chaos. So like, yeah. Here's a guy, Dulles, who is responsible for all of this, like all of these things behind the scenes out of all of these things going from like we're talking about now, pre-World uh, pre War II ending and running rat lines to South America and uh, doing stay behind networks in Europe and then doing all sorts of stuff in, in Southeast Asia and now doing all these stuff domestically. And you ask a typical American, hey, who is Alan Dulles or who is John Foster Dulles? And they have no idea who the brothers are.
And didn't, yeah, didn't, they, okay. didn't they try? Exactly. They uh, don't did, have any idea. And they were involved in every single moment of the uh, national security state uh, without fail. And didn't they try and say that um, Lee Harvey Oswald himself was a communist who tried to kill the president? I'm pretty sure. Yes. Well, okay, yes, but yes. that was a ridiculous thing because yeah, yeah. Um, this is that this is that point, though, isn't it? Of like creating the story, it's got yeah, to always right. be a communist to... that's trying to attack America, right? Uh, uh, oh, actually, the really weird part about Lee Harvey Oswald is that um, he actually like okay, so he quote unquote fake defected to the USSR. And then he was hanging out with the white Russians, which is the Belarusian scum that um, we spoke about in Texas. Uh, they were the ones with the Belarusian death squads. And, oh, oh yeah, he was in Minsk, too. Um, and uh, I'm sure there was no connection. But then what's really strange is that the CIA did not even interview him when he defected back, which is, like, strange. Oh, and then he was also... Like went from London to Finland on a private jet when the, on that day there were no commercial flights from London to Helsinki. Obvious that he was. I mean, it's like like even a cursory examination of public records shows you that there's no way he could have been a communist because like why? How on earth would they have flown like a private secret military aircraft from London to Finland, which is far away, on a day that it, like there were literally no commercial flights that day and. The CIA couldn't even be like I don't, bothered. Like they had to get him to the border of Finland, that they couldn't even be bothered. And they expected nobody to ever know this, right? So that, you know, that's why they do that. Or no, I don't think they expect nobody to know this. The idea of manufacturing consent. Gramsci talks about both manufacturing consent and coercion. A lot of people might agree with you, but because they are afraid of the coercive powers of the state. Like, it doesn't even have to be big. It could be that you get marginalized and won't get invited for dinner. Or it could be that uh, you're going to uh, not get promoted if you're seen as unreliable. Or uh, you might get fired. Or you might even end up in jail. Like, there's a lot, uh, many levels of coercion of the state that stop people from expressing these opinions mm-hmm. in public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Um, so I don't think that's why they're so careless is because they have the power so they can they don't have to be careful. Like there's like like you, me, John, uh, Tom can all know that like can all watch a video of them shooting somebody in Fifth Avenue. But we don't have the coercive power of the state to make them have consequences. So all we are are mad men screaming. Yes, yes. Uh, that this guy has shot somebody in Fifth Avenue, and that's all we can ever be. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, that- it's like how they get away with with sending a bunch of um, like wannabe Green Berets to Venezuela to get apprehended by fishermen. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter whether it was if it's not successful. No one can force any consequences on them for backing it. And as we see, this, this that group had so many ties to different organizations and different state agencies. It's kind of funny, but there's no way to actually hold them to account. So it doesn't matter if they're careful. It doesn't matter if they're even successful or good. They can put a bomb in Castro's cigar just to try stuff because there's no way they're ever going to feel any consequences. And again, that's something else that's become a meme, hasn't it? The amount of times that they've like it's all it's like a pop it's like a pop culture reference you'll see it in like trivial pursuit question how many times did this, exactly how many times did the cia try to kill fidel castro it's like a dinner party like fact it's become My- 
part of the story, hasn't it? And uh, really, like, it should be sickening to find out that there was this many attempts on the, the leader of a, a sovereign nation. Like, it's, Well, it's they kidnapped ridiculous. Manuel Noriega. But I mean, even we're going to be learning if in, with Operation Gladio, like this, th- there was so much that was done that was blatant, like even to the point of assassinating a prime minister. And like, there was so much obfuscation. And we're talking about how it was like, some of it was just so careless, but it was obfuscated by the coercive nature of the state for so long that a lot of it didn't even come out until like the 1980s when Branco Ambrosi- Ambrosiano collapsed and due to like one guy killing himself. You know, so like there's there's so many parts of this story that are so obvious, but because of like this this consent that we're talking about, the, the coercive nature of the state to to push on it, and also like you were mentioning, the ways in which conspiracies and conspiracy theories are used to obfuscate the truth, that even now to this day, there still isn't like a hundred percent, oh, you can point to this person and say they were involved in it. I mean, like you could point to Berlusconi and say, wow, there's a shit ton of, uh, of corresponding ties from Berlusconi to all of these operation Gladio oper- people and operations and even money. But like, you can't make the hundred percent case because you don't have the course of power of the state to come down and say like, even do just a, a minor thing like the, a new church committee hearing to hold them responsible. Mm-hmm. Well, like uh, Americans and Westerners are running around not understanding that the uh, the rat lines that were run by Dulles and others post-World War II literally helped Nazis escape justice. And they think that it's either a rumor or just a conspiracy theory when we know that it's true. The reason they can do it is because there is some relative comfort in the imperial core that allows people to be non-comprehensive that makes sense yes no it it absolutely does it's you know it's confronting one's own confronting these things puts into jeopardy one's own comfort with their life so it this was in 1946 and remember it was a communist who shot mussolini so the communist party is so popular in italy um it's the it's the the largest party in all of europe and all the west outside of the soviet union that's the communist party in italy Italy is a Catholic country. So in 1946, they actually have a slogan that says with Christ or without Christ. And Jesus lost to the communists. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. So then, hard, hard too. Not just a little bit, really hard. But so in those two years, they, the communists did end up like setting up all the Ita- Italian socialized medicine and all these universities. They did a lot of good work in that two years. Can you talk a little bit about the political assassinations they did in Italy to, then for 1948 to get rid of the communists? So I don't know dates. I'm, I'm not very good with dates. No, no, but what I know is that like, so basically what happened was with the stay behind operation that was orchestrated and engineered by the West, specifically with Dulles working with other people, like you just mentioned, like Wisner and others who were recruiting heavily from like the uh, Iron Cross and others. They moved these people heavily into Italy. And the purpose of moving them into Italy was to create a network that would be antithetical to the Communist Party, something that they could utilize to destroy the Communist Party in Italy. And now they gave them huge stashes of weapons as well as money, just cash, where these people were supposed to put these stashes around Italy that they could access at any point if they were to form a revolution, something akin to what the partisans did to the Nazis against a uh, a rising 
Partisan Con Communist Party within Italy. What they did instead with it was they started to pretend to be a leftist communist party that was not the communist party that was currently in charge and claiming to be more radical and more left and started to do assassinations and bombings of not only like the communists that were winning elections, but also people like the Christian Democrats and others to foment a degree of hatred amongst the everyday people for the communist party. Yes. So it was like this really strange and very well orchestrated plan to say, hey, look, we're going to pretend to be these guys. And what we're going to do is we're going to go around killing people indiscriminately. And they did. And it was incredibly successful to the point where like up until when was the prime minister, Esha? These this stay behind network of ex Nazis and also Western spies got together and kidnapped a prime minister pretending to be communist while they were committing acts of terrorism oh within yeah, Italy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, a few attempts. There were multiple yeah, attempts, attempts to kill him. Yeah, that's what I was getting confused about. Okay, the the first ahead. one they were unsuccessful, and the second one they killed him. And they 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 blamed and successfully within the media, within the populace, they blamed the communist party. And it wasn't until much later that it came out that, wait a minute, all of these people that were pretending to be this, this radical communist organization within Italy that was committing acts of terrorists were actually ex Nazis and right wing, uh, spies from the West. And like, so there's this whole period in Italy called the years of lead, which, which incorporates this at the beginning, but goes on much, much longer afterwards that was started because directly as a direct result of the West sphere of the communist party within Italy, that Italy itself would fall to the communist party who enjoyed the USSR somehow. They had the red brigades who did like random political assassination. And then you did not know which was which they did the drug smuggling and the prostitute thingy to finance themselves too. Right. And that was all through like, um, through Mason's through propaganda due, Masonic Lodge propaganda due, and the Institute of Works for the Reli of Religion, which was commonly known as the Vatican Bank and was tied to Branco Ambrosiano's main shareholder. So like there, there's all of these networks that will go through not only these stay behind spies and, and Nazis, but also through the Vatican, the Vatican Bank, and then also through organized crime which was working with these people as well cuba was like a big gambling um hub and if you had a lot of gambling you can kind of lose a lot of money quote unquote but then somebody else can gain a lot of money and it's not going to raise a lot of questions if like two people go uh, like one person goes with ten thousand dollars from the u.s into cuba gambles there and some random other nazi from cuba ends up taking that ten thousand dollars because you can there's like always a plausible explanation well when castro came he shut all that down and they're like so pissed about that <laughs> yeah to this day isn't that one of the storylines of the godfather film as well that happening uh i don't remember yeah. the film but go, maybe i believe it is the mafia okay. getting kicked out of cuba by the communists cuba jack rubenstein was a member uh, the guy who shot oswald he was in one of his mobs was protecting like a casino in cuba before he like in the 1950s and uh before he ended up killing oswald who killed kennedy <laughs> yeah and, and i mean and then you get into again we're getting into kennedy but you get into the ties of the mob in in the stories of the assassination itself not just through ruby but in other like giancarlo like all of the people who were up against kennedy and the kennedy brothers in general 
the American mafia linked to the Italian mafia as well, who were yes. in cahoots. Yeah, Kennedy's dad was part of the Irish mafia. So there's a little bit of a turf war there that might have added to it. <laughs> but but you're right. Like the, the the domestic American mafia was tied to the Italian mafia, which was working with, like we said, the Vatican and these goddamn Nazis. Yeah, mafia is that they know how to smuggle things. Like they smuggle drugs from place A to place B. So they're really good at smuggling things. And people. Well, that's how the Nazis came in. And mafias are willing to smuggle anything for money. So they're like, yo, we have lots of gold here. Can you help smuggle us war criminals? And the mafia's like, sure, why not? And then it suddenly becomes really intertwined because new mafia members get inducted through old connections, right? Right. And then also the mafia was dead set against communism as well because they didn't see economic opportunities uh, existing under communism that they do under capitalism. Mobs, you need blackmail, you need something illegal to smuggle. Cuba, um, there's a book called Gangsterismo where they talk about how they ran every level of the state. Like, it was hell. A small comment here, like about the Yakuza and stuff. Isn't it interesting how the Yakuza in Japan is very it's painted in a very childish cartoonish friendly picture isn't it like you see in pop culture oh the yakuza are helping victims of the floods and that's like popularized as anything well they did the same with the uh, mafia in the u.s and stuff too right they have video games glorifying yeah yeah and films you know exactly got these directors that were i I mean sometimes the mafia like does do some public services when the state gives up like yeah but deny that yeah, and I mean, that's how they maintain control in localized areas as well. Yeah, but what Sammy's saying is that's not their true image, is it? Even if no. they do it, no. exactly. I mean, you look at Whitey Bulger in Boston. Whitey Bulger was known in Boston for being like some, a man of the people who was helping people out. But in reality, he was just a mafia mafioso. So, I mean, that's that's how he maintained it. It's kind of like we were talking about legitimacy of the populace. You, you keep those closest to you in your neighborhood. Um appeased to a certain extent while you're taking advantage of them and exploiting them well it's the story of a certain game i think it's the game mafia i think it's mafia 2 isn't it i don't know if you've played the game mafia 2 but at the start you play as a italian american who goes to italy to help in the liberation of the well the liberation inverted commas the american invasion of, of italy um and you work with the local mafia in the game and the mafia is seen as like liberating Italy of the, against the fascists and stuff like that. So the trope is no, that's driven. Razor. It was the partisans who liberated Italy. Esh, you just go on YouTube and watch like the intro to Maf- the game Mafia mm-hmm. Two. You will see the historical revisionism like liter- at play. Yeah, wow. I mean, but that's that's typical in the video gaming industry as well. I mean, you're looking at the Call of Duty that has Reagan out as a good guy and making Ew. it out to be like the oh yeah, blaming they've they've one of the Call of Duties they've done the uh, Iraq um, highway massacre, haven't they? But they've made it out. It was really? Russia. They, yeah, but they've made it Russia who yeah. does it. <laughs> so millions yeah, of American, the highway of death. Millions of American teenagers think that Russia are to blame for that now. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. And I, I mean, it's part of the reason why I, I'm an avid gamer and I play all sorts of stuff, but I refuse to play that shit. Yeah, same. Same. I haven't touched one of those games for years. So, so Gladio is the, 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 the entire thing like happens as a direct result of the fear of the Communist Party in Italy. And so 
like I was saying, the Nazis um, and this and the spies and the mob and the Vatican all work together through various organizations to basically kill a prime minister. But because of the phenomenon that we've been talking about, about like how conspiracy theories are used to discredit actual conspiracies, not many people are aware of what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's a Wikipedia page about it. And yet when you talk to most people, they're like, what is Operation Gladio? Now you talk to most Italians, they know exactly it. They know all about the years of lead. They know now all of these things because it's directly impacting them. But again, getting to the myth of the United States and, and Great Britain and the West in general as the good guys, this is not a good guy story. Like it, it, even if you have like a glorified version of the mob, like from Godfather or the mafia video games, no one can get together and say, Hey, the mob is good. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way that you have with Nazis. No American is going to say, well, okay, but what about okay. the Nazis? <laughs> right. Like you, you have, you have a bunch of Nazis within America who will say, what about the Nazis? They were good. But like, you're not going to have anyone in liberal society who's going to say, well, what about the Nazis were okay? No, like they're, they're pretty much all in agreement that these are evil people and evil organizations. And here we have the entire might of the U.S. foreign security apparatus coming down to support this group of Nazis that killed a prime minister. If you want to know how open this, this gets and how like, they are just like, open about it, look, they admit that like, lots of NASA staff were Nazis and they go, oh, they helped us get to space and stuff. Well, really, they were helping like the American nuclear program, right? But it's sold as if, oh, we just uh, they were definitely rescued helping these. The we rescued these liberal scientists who weren't really Nazis. They were just being forced to work. Okay, because what they did was they brought secret, like uh, uh, IP secrets that was publicly developed by the Soviet Union and allowed American companies to privatize them and sell it back. Mm-hmm. And also the liberal scientists. Uh, and also the stealing of like war crime research from from Japan when they did the same with Japan as well. Isn't it? Soviet Union, they literally stole lots of like computer like technology like all these like things that aren't in, like a gps all of that mm-hmm. they they and then they privatized it here in the u.s so what they were doing was even more scummier like nasa at least had a public purpose but these people were like uh, taking state resources and privatizing it here in the u.s for the shock doctrine because these are the scum of the earth mm-hmm. right i mean like if you look at six of the seven critical technologies in an iphone were all developed publicly by the Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> not six of the seven by the Soviet Union. I'll no, give no, you no. maybe GPS, but no, not no, six GPS of the... and the um, radio thing. The radio technology was definitely by the Soviet Union. The right, GPS but touchscreen was not. Touchscreen was not. I don't know who developed the touchscreen. I think it's... it was developed. Oh, go on. I, I believe it was developed on public funds and public research. Um... In which country? In the Is United it... States. Ah, okay, got it. Okay. I think okay, it's I funny. Know. I think it's funny how um, spot on when you're watching uh, films like Doctor Strangelove and, and Doctor Strangelove in that film is almost this comical like Nazi character, isn't it? But it's like they literally did airlift those characters. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? Right. No, no, I do. I mean, like, yeah, absolutely. He was a caricature, but that's exactly what Operation Paperclip did. I mean, which is the the same thing that these these Operation Gladio and others were doing with like literal SS officers, mm-hmm. you know, like it wasn't scientists that these stay behind networks were doing. It wasn't scientists that we were bringing to South America with the uh, rat lines. It was literal SS officers and even, and, and even scum that the SS officers found to be disconcerting as Escher pointed out with the iron, what was it? Iron cross? What? 
Iron Guards. Or maybe, yeah, I mean, yeah they, there was both. Um, uh, both well, yeah, they had both. The Hungarian Iron Cross Party and the Romanian Iron Guards. There's been Guards. a few of those characters, though, hasn't there, popped up in this show when we've been looking at some of these characters and uh, you've got SSS or whoever, SS, sorry, saying, this guy's crazy. A few of them have had that. Yeah, Ante Pavlich, Dostazi. It's almost similar, but uh, I would argue that it's a slightly different way because the the weaponization was happening as a direct result of the the training and and skills that were developed as being part of Nazi terror groups. So, like they utilized them to continue to do the destabilization efforts that they were doing as Nazis in an area where they felt that the Communist Party was rising to power. It's always it's it seems like. Um... Like Asha said, these people are psychos, and they always go for these people because they'll just they'll they'll follow orders. You know that's that's why they pick these. What's Asha been calling them scum? Yeah, they are scum, and there's there's no way around it. They're murderous scum who are are. It's not even like you can say, okay, these people are killing for an ideal because at this point the ideal has been thoroughly discredited even in terms of any sense of, of relative morality, right? Like you, you can't even say, okay, these people are, are anything other than pure evil. And yet the United States is actively using them to sow dissent, cause chaos and create political outcomes that are favorable to their economic system. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's illogical, isn't it? And that's why I think it can't even be reasoned with. You're not going to, you're not going to get Bernie Sanders not Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden come out and say, oh, well, we were in Afghanistan to uphold capitalism around the world. We were defending the oil industry or whatever. They're not going to do that because they can't. Because they do that, they've got to admit that it was wrong, right? Right. They can't say that it's about mineral rights or the fact that we want to be able to have a quick, a rapid response base in terms of China's Belt and Road policy. You can't just come out and say that. Yeah, yeah. And... uh, because if they say that, then they've got to admit to this and then they've got to admit to that because somebody will go, well, what about that? Well, what about that? Well, what about that? You know, we've got, they're going to go on this long unwind road of everybody realizing that the jig is up, right? But that's why they right. can never admit that. They you just point thing. to the Dulles brothers' career and just be like, what about those two fuckers? Yeah, exactly. And then once those two are done, you find another example of some comprador, whatever. You know, what about these two? What about it? it just. They can it keeps never- going. I mean, you know, like this is the the thing. When so now we're looking at when we get this brings back to Operation Gladio because like the U.S. policy of counterinsurgency insurgency, um, which is is really kind of. I would say formulated in the post-war era with things like the stay behind operations and operation Gladio are, are continuing and it's behind the scenes. It's kind of like obfuscated. And even when you actually have like direct data or you have direct testimony or you have banking records like in for uh, Branco Ambrosiano uh, or uh, Prop Due, you, you still don't have any um, amount of accountability for these things specifically because you, like we said, there is no, coercive nature of the state being utilized to hold these people to account and so we have you know what every president of my lifetime has been a war criminal you bring that up and you talk about that in polite american circles and polite liberal circles and they're like oh no and it's like well here is yeah they come up with so many excuses i love operation gladio specifically because 
it's it's utilizing the scum of the earth the 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 scum of the earth that everyone agrees are the scum of the earth to do very very obvious acts of terrorism and i use that term in like the clinical sense not in the way that america uses it but to commit acts to foment unrest among, people to, oh yeah commit acts to foment unrest among the populace towards a political goal all for to the 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 purpose of basically reinstating of quasi fascism in italy which is you know the thing that we just got done, had just finished fighting a war against but do you think that cuz one one thing we see about when this sort of thing happens is uh, the fascists usually seize power and then some liberals kind of take over and power slowly transferred back to like the the bourgeois the regular when? yeah but you have you have the you have the fascists who are on the ground committing the the actual action right sector and then after the after they've seized state power they kind of hand it back over to the bourgeoisie right they don't maintain um i it, i fully believe that what we've seen well we've seen it happen italy is a a, a, a liberal neoliberal bourgeois democracy now isn't it so we've seen yep. them do that in italy they've used fascism to to beat back communism and then to, they've not let italy become fascist again have they they've let it become a liberal democracy the fascists have taken a step back because the 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 imperial core has paid them all off so they don't have to be fascist anymore because they're now just rich men so why would right. you be a fascist once you're a rich man you can go and unless you are a psycho some of them are but not all yep. of them so state power gets transferred go on and that 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 point is exactly what I make about the, the, you know, the Nazis didn't win World War II, but fascism, or at least the economic underpinnings of fascism did. Like the neoliberal world order essentially comes at to, to not only put the same bourgeoisie who benefit from a, a fascistic state into power and into a position of unassailable uh, power, because we can't hold anyone to account. Like we can't hold Coca-Cola to account for hiring military, uh, Colombia military men to es execute union organizers in their factories. Just can't do it. Like we have the Department of Justice arguing on behalf of Nestle's right to have child slave. And they'll and, and, and hold on. Those things you're saying will come up on like fact of the day Twitters as well. Fact of the day. Yeah. Coca-Cola right. once hired a death squad. What are you supposed to do? Just laugh at that and carry on with your day. No, you want to hold and, them to account, don't we? but do carry on right to make, bring that point up right that's it though it's like you said you, they they because there is no way way to actually hold these members to account because you don't have the course of the arm of the state to do so what you have is you have an essential no need for a fascist uh, an overtly fascist government because you've obfuscated all the ways in which you are oppressing and suppressing your own populace or the populace of the world. You've obfuscated all the ways in which you're committing evil, in, in all the ways in which you are literally killing people to squeeze the lifeblood out of them for profit in such a way as to legitimize your own government. Mm -hmm. So when you put these, when you have Berlusconi tied to all of these fascists who are heavily involved in Operation Gladio, who were pop crop due people who were tied to the Vatican, who were tied to Banco Ambrosiano, who were, were all of these people. And then he becomes president to in order to enact neoliberal austerity measures that further impoverish the average Italian, increase the number of hours that they're working while also buying off a small subset of the populace that has the money and the power and the means of production. What do you need fascism for when you have these people voting for this? Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. You just use them as the old goon squad. Yep. Basically. And and so when you have places, when you have things like FARC in in South America, uh, come up and say, no, no, we're going to fight for communism. Well, that's when you you rally the fash and yeah, you yeah. get them. You run the rat lines and get them all over to. Um, to to fight them or you know you you get the whole bunch of gi joe americans with an arsenal of guns that they bought at their corner store to take a boat down to venezuela and get captured by fishermen yeah yeah or not even communists right just like a union we're going to nationalize this mine or like egypt we're going to nationalize the suez canal it's on our land get fucked just send in send in the fash or send in the imperial armies whatever it's the same it's the same idea isn't it replayed over and over it doesn't matter what region of the world you're in. But you made an interesting point that this is the same playbook. And, and what's, you know, what I find to be incredible is like, as this, this stay behind network operation, Gladio is operating and not short, not long afterwards, you have the, the, the uprising in Indonesia where the CIA was literally telling, um, running propaganda that there were witches who had kidnapped generals and castrated them and they were communist witches in order to facilitate a violent takeover. So when you say countries are operating or countries fall outside the sphere of influence, it's only those countries that take this militarily. The countries that say like Carno did or Elende did um, that, no, no, you know, we're going to uh, appeal to the West's ideals of democracy and we're going to vote our way into uh, oh, communism no, or vote our way into socialism, much in the same way that the Communist Party of Italy did. You end up getting fucked yeah. Yeah. by these same principles. It is a lot easier uh, too, isn't it? Tune in next week for the second part of this interview. Music for this show is done by Rectech. You can find him on SoundCloud and on Spotify. W-R-E-C-K-T-E-C-H. And thank you for listening to our show.